Anyways, bro. So, welcome to the inaugural. Thanks for being the the guinea pig. As you can tell, very low production value. Just uh, just trying to figure out. Like I figured, like for me, the reason why I wanted to talk stories with different, and I have like you. There's a couple other people I'm gonna try line up to talk stories with, but I just I think through this whole pandemic, it's kind of weird how like you and I haven't caught up in a while. And we've talked about it. We've we traded texts. You know, we like, kind of like, I, I think I dropped off the futon to you one time for like you was going lend them out to somebody. You know, I think that might have been the last time I saw you. But you know, like it's kind of weird, like how this whole thing is making me kind of. I've been kind of reconnecting to people who I haven't seen in a while because now it's just like you just kind of you're stuck at home, so you you can kind of just do it electronically or Zoom, Skype or whatever, right? But part of the thing was and it's it's i think at the time when i started to do thinking about doing something like this um i think in general my feeling with the the response that was going on in the state you know like how our decisions were being made the kind of things that were happening was a little frustrating on my end so i was like shit you know am i the only one that feels kind of frustrated i know i'm not because i see it on like facebook and stuff like that but you know and our you know like i I think like our our group like our level um age group you know where a bunch of us are in our professional careers you know we're kind of in leadership roles you're in a leadership role i'm in a leadership role professionally and I was kind of like, are we getting asked? Like, are, are, is our group, you know, being engaged? It, it didn't feel like it on the, this from the surface. So I was just like started to reach out and, and kind of started to ping people. A lot of people jumped into action, you know, like Olin um, jumped in and started making ventilators. You know, Nicole folks did the whole mask thing. So it, it's kind of nice to see that happening. So I just wanted to start to like talk stories with people. And by the time I actually got off my ass and started organizing, it got to the point where we're starting to reopen. So it's starting to think about, okay, well, now in this in this economy, what what is it gonna look like? You know, our, our what we we're obviously gonna be part of the rebuild. Our group, um, we got all got like at least twenty more years in the workforce, right? So we're really gonna be shaping it the guys who are or the people who are at the top making a lot of these decisions they they're closer to retirement than we are right so you know we're we got to be involved so i'm just starting to kind of get out there but and you're a good place to start because a couple of the things I've, I've i've gotten in touch with a bunch of decision makers uh policy leaders and some of the um feedback about a new economy i got a lot of it revolves around tech and you and i kind of that's how we met we initially met when we hit, when we started out in tech or well, i was still in tech you're still in tech at the time i was in tech i should say i've since gotten out of there but you know it i always think about like can it when i was in it we tried it right 10 years ago 12 years ago with act 221 and it just didn't stick and you know like and that was like heavy tax credits a lot of the companies had incentives to kind of start tech companies yet it didn't really stick around so i figured 
maybe we can start there and start thinking about like what is it about tech in Hawaii? Is it viable? You know, why why did like I, I mean I have all my reasons, but I wanted to also hear what you you kind of thought and go from there. <laughs> yeah, um, you know it's funny. I, the we we we've been joking around that we're actually using the phone for what its original intention was, and that's to make phone calls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and so, yeah, it's funny the amount of phone calls that I've actually been making, and it's actually really nice. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, prior to that, I, I think the last time it may have been you, you gave me that futon, which went to a, a, a kupuna who was sleeping on the floor in um, kupuna housing, where we went and we were doing some work, and it just broke my heart that um, to see a kupuna sleeping on the floor that just that shouldn't happen in the you know. In a, in a wealthy place like America um, or a community place like Hawaii, that sh- just shouldn't happen. Um, so that went to uh, good use. And I, I do have a memory. I remember we met up at a, that um, kind of Korean bar on Kapiolani that has the really good wings. Um, <laughs> and I can't remember if that was before or after the futon, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been a while since like anything meaningful. Um, and you know, last year was really was crazy. I was in an airplane every month, um, flying for shifted energy, just going to you know accelerator programs and conferences, and just trying to get this business built, um, which is a you know renewable energy business, but we're we're rooted in in tech, right? We're, we're yeah. we are we are a technology company. Correct. Uh, um, you know, I, I'm not an expert in two two one. You know, I was just a peon when that when that act was in in effect. Um, you know, I I think there was some loopholes that people took advantage of, which ultimately is why it failed and didn't lead to scale. Um, so people were maybe in it for the wrong reasons. Um, now it seems like there's a a much more holistic kind of grassroots um, tech group, a, a lot of just young kind of gig worker type people who have various skill sets that lend themselves to technology companies um, and who are keen to do kind of gig or contract consulting type work um, and want to build, build companies. Uh, I think part of the difficulty here is there's really very, very little funding. There's very little early stage funding, which makes it really difficult. It's next to impossible to find any kind of seed stage series A um, funding there's a little bit of um, of angel money with um, with the UH angels, but yeah. that's it. There's one group doing angel investing. Sure. Um, so that makes it really difficult. I, I think the other thing that makes it difficult, and you know why, like Silicon Valley is so successful, is you have all these top notch university systems that are like feeding into the machine, um, and there's really just um, with, there's some effort. I don't want to take away from the effort that is in place, but it's not holistic. The university being connected with Hawaii businesses and um, and the startup ecosystem, and, and and then again going back to like funding, um, the funding that it would take um, to really build that. So I, I don't really ever see Hawaii build, being like a second Silicon Valley. Sure. Um, what I do see, um, and 
where I think there's a lot of opportunity. If you look at um, what we're doing, that's really cutting edge. So, you know, we were the first um, state to have a 100% renewable energy uh, portfolio standard. And so there's a real opportunity for, you know, renewable energy type companies and the companies that kind of can, can sit around that. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I, I would love to see more, more local energy companies being um, in, in that mix. Uh, and I think the other, like, no pun intended, but like the low hanging fruit is with agriculture, um, you know, both niche agriculture and then just agriculture that could really feed, um, feed Hawaii, feed the, the various industries, the visitor industry. Uh, there's just a ton of, of innovation that's happening there, vertical farming and all that, um, you know, there, there seems to me like there's a lot of opportunity there. And so, um, and then like kind of just forestry and restoration and the sure. technology that, that is involved in that. And so I, I think um, as the world is trying to decarbonize and um, kind of look towards these more um, renewable, regenerative type opportunities, Hawaii could really be a global leader in that sense. And um, I, I think that's where we should really be focusing our time. Yeah. As um I was kind of uh, putting stuff out there through like LinkedIn and I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Like to me, ag is like a super, um, not easy, but it's a, it's a real obvious one to get into. Um, and it's still to me considered a tech field. Like, uh, I don't know if you know Yol from Hiko, but uh, <laughs> I work, I work, you work with, with him almost, a lot, uh, right? I'm sure it's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, he was mentioning about how Japan does um, vertical farming, um, warehouse farming, right? Um, so in Urban Core, so in Tokyo, there are companies that are building um, basically greenhouses, high-tech greenhouses within uh, large building structures um, that, that actually use less water. Uh, they use like LEDs for lighting, um, a lot of sensor-driven, data-driven um you know, mechanics in it, like servos and stuff, really helping maintain the plants. And uh, that's, they see that as an, a new way for them to shorten the distance between um, the city and the food, right? Um, so I, I, he, he brought that up and then I started kind of, you know, going down a YouTube rabbit hole, you know, like trying to like look at all that kind of stuff. And yeah, I, I, I kind of, I, I keep hearing that the biggest part about it is the hardest part about tech is the the funding the the distance from VCs um they're you know like Silicon Valley's big because on one street you have like a bunch of the VC offices and you can just roll down that street and nail nail a lot of them all at once right um but even Silicon Valley I think Twitter just announced that they're gonna um permanently work from home right i think going mm. forward so i don't know maybe there's a decentralization that might happen th through all of this because of all of this you know like and i don't know if that make means that the money now is going to get decentralized as well if tech companies are going to decentralize um, location wise maybe some of the funding will and it might be get easier but yeah as far as i know and i at, at two to one i was like a 
I was like a young twenty something year old, so I didn't understand the yeah. mechanics. But but also I I also agree. I think it was a lot of um, you know, companies that were able to take advantage of tax credits that may have not been tech companies. Um, they became a lot of the parent companies of of the tech companies. Like my my company was owned by a local um, non tech company. Um, and then once the credits kind of sunset, the incentive to stay in the game was no longer, you know, there. Yeah. So they started to kind of see it go away. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, don't, the, these numbers aren't exact, but, um, I think gasoline vehicle gasoline is like down 60%. I think jet fuel is, I don't know, 30, 40% down, um, Traffic fatalities in Hawaii is down thirty percent. Um, it's it's just it's in really wild um, to see what's happening. And there's a lot of people who have been working from home that are doing it efficiently and are now are like, why the hell would I sit in traffic and go drive to an office just to sit at a desk and do the same exact thing I'm doing here? Um, what I think would be really interesting is we have these models like. Ray Chung with Box Jelly, um, George Arbor with um, Impact Hub, like yeah. these co-working spaces, you, you know, really, there should be a co-working space in every community, sure. and especially in, in rural, remote communities. And I really think, like, the, the broadband providers need to be mandated to get high-speed broadband out to rural areas because um, it's really lacking. I mean, you know this coming from Hawaii Island. Um, but if you had that and you had a place where people could go and if they had to actually print or get a notary service or something like that, sure. where you don't need that every single day, but maybe you got to go do that once or twice a week, you're not having to drive, sit in traffic, drive into Honolulu to, to get that done. And I think that should just be a fundamental change that happens Um not just in Hawaii, but especially in Hawaii with just the, our infrastructure is not built for the amount of cars and people that we have traversing them all the time. And I'm guessing, you know, the, the, and our infrastructure is not built for, you know, people in rural communities to be teleworking, you know, either, but I'm guessing that's cheaper than, you know, widening roads and, and probably more, you know, sensible. I mean, my sister's house in Waikia doesn't even have high speed internet and that's like in Hilo. It's just up the hill. That's crazy. Yeah, it's up the hill. Yeah. Um she has telephone. You know, like there's a landline. So there's poles that run to mm-hmm. to the house and there's electricity. So obviously there's poles. But yeah, yeah, there's no she's she's got no access to high speed internet or cable. So she has to do um direct T V and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. but and that's in Hilo. That's in Waiakeauka. That's, you know, that's 10, 15 minutes up the hill from my parents' house. And, you know, she, she asks, she doesn't have high speed internet at her, at her house. So I agree with you. So I think, I think that makes a lot of sense. Having, having co-working spaces, more co-working spaces in, um, rural areas or more remote areas, I guess, like even if you had one in even Waipahu, you know, would make mm-hmm. such a big difference for, you know, the 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 town people having some out on the windward mm-hmm. side, north shore, west side, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. It would make a lot of difference, right? Absolutely. 
and it would it would foster um it would foster innovation because you would have people in um you know collaborating collaboration spaces right it's kind of the idea is that you have different companies kind of all functioning and they can kind of cross pollinate but you know to kind of uh, if if that happens you know it might be more I, I guess for me one of the big things I always hear too with the whole um, diversifying message and trying to bring in tech is I think a lot of people straight especially maybe people who aren't, aren't in the tech industry automatically go to like hoping that like a big company would come like somebody would home base out of here but you know maybe the vision is like what we're talking about where you have all of these small companies gig workers you know programmers you know designers um smaller companies smaller you know entrepreneurs who can you know build build small companies in in some of these places yeah i mean it's not to say that you can't scale and if you have the right idea i mean you absolutely could scale but I, I think, like, try, sitting here waiting for, you know, Amazon to set up some big shop in Hawaii and yeah. hire a bunch of people, I think I think that's a pipe dream. And, and uh, you know, I don't know if that necessarily serves us. It's like the visitor industry. Like, the vis- 10.2 million people coming here every year does not serve the general population. The majority of people are not served by that. They're inconvenienced by it. And mm. then... Um, and, a, and a whole host of other kind of negative things that come with it. Uh, so to me, I think you, you innovate that from within, like we know best how to serve our communities and, and, and build the kind of companies and technology that I think suits us. And there's plenty of talent to be able to do it. Uh, I think you just have to be given the, the time to actually sit and, sit with it and and give give the opportunity to actually create it where it, you know it, it with it's such a rat race to just survive in hawaii so many people are working multiple jobs and living in multi-generational households it it, it doesn't often lend to giving you the the headspace right to be able yeah. to kind of come up with these ideas yeah. um and that's what so i think that's the thing for the people that can actually take a, a pause and a deep breath. Um, I, I, I'm really envious of those of those folks, but I really hope that that's kind of what's happening. Um, is a is a is a thought of what is what, what with this opportunity, what makes most sense to like satisfy me and my community and the people you know around me. You mean like during this time where we we actually are forced to kind of pause, right? That's, that's yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's kind of how this whole thing started for me was you have your home, your idol, right? And I'm not idle, but you have time, right? There's there's less distraction, fewer distraction. And now it's like, okay, well, what can I, what kind of production can I do? What, how can I be productive? What 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 makes sense, right? So hopefully, yeah, you're right. Maybe this is happening, which, which could be a good thing. I think there's certain, judging by the reactions I see and the stuff I see on like social media, there are two types of reactions going on right now. People who are taking the time to kind of re-examine, figure out what's next, or those that just are like getting anxious and wanting it to go back to, you know, like waiting for things to open up because they're, they're not quite innovating 
within themselves to to see what could be next you know but thinking about like ag what maybe maybe you can help me with this like why isn't it it like a sexy thing for for people to want to like get behind it seems like that it makes the most sense we import like 90 percent of our food yet you know people just don't think that it it's a worthwhile industry you know it, it's it baffles me sometimes yeah i mean the cynic in me says that the power brokers um are so used to the develop you know making money from development mm-hmm. and then the few that make money from from the visitor industry, but most for the most part, it's development. Um, and so they know that game. They've played that game for decades. Um, and, and that's the people that, that are in, you know, those, that's the power brokers in, in this state. And so to me, that means that's a, a loss of that, of that power and of that, that revenue stream um, are, you know, our, our farmers are going to be driving around in their, you know, brand new Mercedes Benz, <laughs> probably, probably not. Right. Um, yeah. But the, but the prop, but, but the, you know, the, the land developer, the, you know, the property developer is driving around in that, in that Mercedes Benz. And right. uh, I, so that's the cynic in me that says that's why there, there's just, there's people who hold power and they're going to continue to hold that power. And that power is in development. Um, I, I think to the, we've just become so accustomed to having things show up on the barge and be on the shelf. Um, and that's just, you know, that's the comfort that we've, we've uh, become accustomed to. So I, I, I just seems to me like maybe it's hard for people to wrap their minds around being self, self-sustaining in, in that sense, in that food sense. So I, I really don't know. I don't know why it's been such a problem um, to bring more incentives to get more um, farming and food development here locally to offset that. What is it? 80, 85% that comes in on a barge. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I was, so uh, again, I mentioned to you that I had talked to a couple lawmakers um, and then um, I actually read a white paper um, by one of our senators um, that had a lot of great suggestions. Aquaculture, you know, was one, um, but it was a lot more centered around export, uh, agricultural export industry. And I, I kind of replied back with some ideas, and I said, just the imp- just the self-sustaining of us growing food. I said that would be. I said right now, there's like about two. I want to say if my math was right, it was about $2 billion a year going back to the continent for our food. You know, if some of that stays here, even though it's not necessary income coming into the state, it's still captured captured dollars, right, that doesn't leave, which to me is at this point is just as, just as important as bringing in new money as, as keeping whatever money comes in, you know, circulating locally. But yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, it's a, it's a, it's a nut. I've been trying to like think through and crack. Like, why is it? Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you with the power broker stuff. Um, land, land is chief, right? Um, and those that own the land, you know, they they can kind of make a lot of um, influence a lot of decisions. And growing mm-hmm. food on on land isn't always the uh, most profitable 
investment right. for for them. But that's where I think maybe like some of that vertical farming makes a lot of sense because you don't need as much space. You you don't need it to be necessarily like the the richest, most fertile land you have, right? So. Right, and then I think I mean if if you really wanted to export business, um, there's plenty of food that it that we could export chocolates and coffee and mm-hmm. things that are um, that are um, world renowned. We have more than enough food land to grow the f- amount of food that we need sure. in Hawaii. Like more than enough. Yeah. Um, it, it's not a question. It's just it's the it's the intestinal fortitude, I think, to, to exactly to give up that land that you could be developing, which is, is going to make you a lot more money. Sure. I was, um, uh, I, when I was working at Kupu, we did a talk about, um, ag and I don't know why I was involved. I, I don't know that much about it, but, um, we were talking about the, there is a, in Kona above the airport on the hillside, there used to be a pretty fertile Ulu belt. And that mm. Ulu belt would provide enough breadfruit for pretty much the whole island. It it produced it. It produced like I don't know how much like what we produce now in the state is only five percent of that that Ulu belt's production. Yeah, but I mean it's seasonal, wow. so they would have Ulu like it would all come at once, and then they would basically eat Ulu for you know a while, and then they would go back to Kalo or other, other stuff, you know, as part of their staple mm-hmm. diet. But for a season, they would switch pretty much to Ulu and everybody would have enough. But when you think mm-hmm. about it, that land is, you know, lying fallow, right? As there's nothing on it, like except warehouses mm-hmm. and stuff. But, you know, I don't know if people would really want to turn that back into a, a fruit growing, you know, enterprise. It's probably more, more valuable if they can put like, a subdivision, <laughs> you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Can eat concrete. Yeah, no, yeah, and it's it's funny because, and maybe I, it's part of me too, being a plantation kid or having ties to the plantation and seeing how that. I was I was just old enough to remember how, how that that ship sank. Like I was, you know, around. I was a kid when. Hamakua Sugar finally shut down, which is like pretty much my whole family, both sides, mm-hmm. right? Is it's all was all Hamakua Sugar. So when that happened, it was a pretty big hole. And then, so maybe there's like people who just still have that bad taste of like, you know, with ag, seeing that, you know, that the plantation era are ha- they're happy that it ended and. Maybe they kind of worry that going back to ag or having an ag industry, a robust ag industry, kind of reopens the door to the plantation era, which I think is bullshit. But <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know if that's yeah. true. That's just something I kind of thought. I was like, well, maybe that kind of makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think it would be hard to replicate that kind of. Um, um, division between the owner and the workers sure. in in like modern day um, society. Well, but like part of my response to um, the senator that I was talking to was like, you know, some some plantation era ideas actually would make a lot of sense too. Like if you do have, if you are a farm owner, 
like having your workers, you know, being able to have multifamily units on your on your property and offer them like, hey, I cannot pay you big bucks, but I can give you a house that you can live in. It's not a great house. It's a plantation house, but, you know, you can live in here and, you know, like it, it's it's there for you to use as part of your, your deal for working with us. You know, it to me, that kind of idea of like building community around farming could actually make sense and attract people to it. I think one of the issues is like people don't think kids, people think kids don't want to get into farming, but I don't know. When I worked at Kupu, there's a ton of kids who like, they rather be out in the dirt than at a desk at a computer like us. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think too, the, there's such a, and especially Kupu has done a good job of this is really connecting farming with like, um, with like the, kind of the, the world of chefs yeah. and the creativity of now, yeah. food and yep. yeah. And, and, and that's really interesting. Like, I, I just think like that's that, um, that is even if you go pre, um, uh, plantation or maybe in plantation somewhat, but that kind of celebration of, um, kind of Malka to Makai, um, interaction between, yep. um, between, you know, uh, makers and growers and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, if you think about yeah. it, the, the Ahupua'a system is like one of the most, you know, prime examples of, of land management out there. Like you can't, you can't think of a better way to manage because it's it was all specific to geography too, right? Like certain ahupuas mm-hmm. were were different than others, right? Some did some did kalo better than another one, but one might have more fish, right? So, mm-hmm. but they figured out how to manage their lands pretty 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 well, and yeah, the makai connecting to chefs, and that turns us to us as consumers. Like if we keep yeah. wanting to eat stuff that we cannot get here local. You know, if we're hard, you know, hardcore hell bent on eating, I don't know. I I use bread because I don't, you know, we don't grow wheat, but, you know, or wheat, you know, anything based on wheat or even rice. You know, if we're hardcore eating rice and that's what we want to eat, we don't grow rice here anymore. I think we did before, maybe back in the day, but. Yeah. A lot of the um, taro patches were converted to rice patties. Yeah. I mean, same principles, right? It's the same. It's the same kind of setup, yeah. similar setups, I should say. But yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I, just knowing where your food comes from, you know. Exactly right. But yeah. um, yeah, and I, I think I think that's a viable viable thing that we can think about is ag. But I, I'm trying to I'm trying to amplify that voice and trying to get people to kind of believe that it's doable. But we'll, we'll see. I, I think it'll take an effort from a public and private effort because you need you need policy to be to level the playing field for the landowners. You need landowners yeah. to be willing to um, sacrifice some of their holdings toward you know a break even venture where they might just be helping farmers grow food and they might not be making money on their 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 land, but you know they're producing they're producing locally sourced um, food, right? So it might take a concerted yeah. effort, and I don't know what that looks yeah. like. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna you're, you're right. You're gonna have to incentivize it. 
Um, you, you, you have to, you have to, I think there has to be a study on what types of food people are purchasing that you could grow here or raise here. Right. So then you're, you're actually solving for, well, for what people are, are purchasing. Sure. Um, and I, that's to me, like what's really missing when people are, leadership is talking about, you know, post COVID economy, but they actually have no idea where, what companies um, are spending for goods and services outside mm-hmm. of salary and wage. So to me, you, you have to capture that. You need to just take every CFO in this, state and like lock them in a room <laughs> and have them identify where they're spending where their spend is and, what, and then yeah what and what could be spent here versus what could be spent here yeah, yeah. and yeah. how do you make and it then, competitive and then, and then you incentivize to build that industry if you can yeah um yeah i mean i can tell you you know like i grew up at around suisan which is like the big mm-hmm. island's biggest food distributor. I can tell you for a fact. My stepdad knows he when wow. he was running the place, he knew exactly what was selling and he knew down to like what kind of chicken, like what cuts were the ones, mm-hmm. what kind of french fries were the popular ones, like you know, he he it's it's stuff that's there as as far as the food part and it's it's stuff that they know like as far as food distribution. Um, but it doesn't, it, it doesn't, um, it's actually a negative impact for them to give up that information, right? Because they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're theoretically cutting down their own business. So right. that, that kind of becomes a, you know, you're kind of competing, you know, you're creating your own competition at that point but i could tell you that information's there i know for sure yeah yeah i could have asked him like hey what was your top seller this past month he probably could be like oh let me go ask and he'd make a couple phone calls he's like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we did good on tyson chicken thighs that's that's one it's a killer month for chicken you know or whatever it is uh, all right but i mean the crazy stuff is like even like our beef um you know my uncles are, i have rancher uncles on the big island they don't they they raise cattle but then at a at a young age they ship all the cattle to the mainland to get mm-hmm. to get raised and finished and then that beef then comes back maybe comes back you know there's nobody really doing soup to nuts you know like yeah. raising the cattle here even like pork i think um a lot of the pig farms are uh, that i remember don't exist anymore so even like yeah. you know that kind of domestically raised you know, commodities aren't aren't around. Maybe chicken yep. eggs are like the only last thing that people are actually like kind of growing local or raising as far as um meats and you know proteins and stuff like that. Mm. I uh, I bought um Maui Nui venison. So I ordered I ordered it's it's good. It's good. Yeah it's it's uh it's interesting to cook with because it's I've I've never cooked with venison but you know like to I, me it's um, a smart move. I ordered some yeah, I, I ordered some from, um, I forget the name of the company now. Um, so I, I made some of the chops uh, last week. Um, yeah, on the barbecue. Definitely, you got to go like indirect heat. Yeah, yeah it's dry if super you fast. Have a, 
Yeah, you gotta have a um a, a meat uh temperature gauge, a thermometer. Thermometer. Um so I, I bought one, like a Bluetooth one that lets you know. And so I like for for venison, like one thirty is medium rare. Oh, okay. Um and so it it so temperature wise it turned out really well. It's it's you have to do that with venison. It's so tricky. Yeah, like I um, so I bought the the pack. It's like a they ship it in a box and it's all dry ice, but it has all kinds of different. And they had the French, um, ribs. So I tried to cook that and like yeah, like the inside ribs were perfect, but the outside ones like it's like such a fine line between going from like that perfect medium rare to like dry and the outside ones. I was like, mm. oh man, just. But I mean, but that's a smart business model. You're eating invasives, right? Like there's, totally. you're, 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 you're creating an industry. So that's why I was like, you know, you know, maybe venison isn't my favorite, most favorite meat. But if I eat, if I do my part and I eat a bunch, you know, like, can I help this business kind of kill two birds with one yeah. stone, right? Like whack some invasives, control the population, and then also have some good food. Yeah. You know, there's, I think there's a lot of innovation to be had around the food, the food industry. I'm, I I think, you know, I, I knew you were kind of on the same page. Um, cause, cause I, I know you, you farm and, or you, you spend time outside and farm a little bit too. So, and you're very conscious about trying to watch where you eat your food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, you know, like, so in, we kind of touched on it, but in general, how do you think our, our, our local leadership handled this whole situation? Well, I think you got to break it into two pieces. So the, the, the top level, especially the governor and the mayor of Honolulu, absolute just failed. They absolutely failed us. Yeah. Um, it's really... Um, it's really frustrating to watch them not be on the same page, be back and forth. They, there's zero plan. Yeah. Zero, zero plan. Yeah. Um, and that I think what is what is just really frustrating people. Um, and, and so, and, and I think we've become so accustomed um, to our leadership failing us and all the way up to the national level. Um. So what, where I find solace and, and where I've been just really genuinely pleased is the leadership that happens at the community level. Yeah. And so people who could, um, who were called immediately went into action. And you've already kind of named a couple of these folks, but Nicole with the, the, the math and the stuff that she's been working on, Olin working on ventilators. Um, Gooch. You know, I've been working with... Yeah, the chef Hui guy. Yeah, I've been working with the um, um, the um, Hui Aloha with the bathroom brigade, keeping the bathrooms open for our homeless communities. Like across the board, um, people have stepped up to take care of their community members, and like I, that has been. I, I've just been really um, proud to to be in Hawaii because that's not what's happened in, in other places. And yeah. I think that's why I, I think our sense of community of taking care of each other is why even people who are frustrated about having to wear a mask or 
social distance are doing it because it's the it's at the end of the day it's the right thing to do for the community yeah um and while we had a couple um you know you could tell right away it's all transplants that went down and tried to protest you know that was such a small percentage of of who we are it doesn't even really count yeah so you know we're, it's not like michigan where you have these you know white supremacists with with big guns protesting wearing a mask like that's never going to happen in, in hawaii yeah. because people are too busy like trying to take care of each other um i i don't know i i think where i really get stuck is um how do you get that local like community leadership to like infiltrate the cabinet the actual leadership the, yeah and and the actual leadership that has been voted into place and will something like this spur people to actually pay more attention um to actually show up and vote and um and take a chance on maybe that person who's running whose name you don't recognize because they haven't been in politics for 30 years correct um, and you're just going to check the box because you re- recognize their name I, that's the disconnect that's the thing i i just really don't i i, I don't get so um our community leaders man stepped up um yeah. uh, so many good things happening i don't know if you were on any of those um the, the there's a group of like lawyers and accountants that have been doing these like at least weekly calls on the care act and um it was, um, it was like keep Hawaii companies grow. I forget the name of that group, but yeah. I sat in on a bunch of those, on a bunch of those webinars. And, you know, when the CARE Act application went live, I was like ready. I had already practiced on like the first, you know, four versions of the application prior to going live. I knew every document that I needed. Yeah. And I applied for the CARES Act the day that it, it went live. And that was because, that group, uh, Pro Service, who does our, our billing, yeah. uh, American Savings Bank, our, our local bank, like those guys stepped up big yeah. time. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I uh, we worked with um, CPB is was our bank on the on the for the PPP, huge help. Like, they, I mean, like I am, and I know a couple of the guys who touched their file, and I know I. So and I'm, but I don't think that was the reason why they were so helpful. You know, I think they were doing that for everybody. They were working like, um, you know, twelve-hour days, thirteen-hour days, seven days a week, trying to make sure everybody who applied got their their loans. And I I haven't heard too many people locally who have got haven't gotten their loan or have have been like turned down. Which to me is a credit to a lot of our local banks, like really f- fucking stepping up and like you know like asking and i think the workers too right they didn't they didn't have to they're all salaried right like and they're not making a lot of fees off of sba but a lot of them stepped up to make it happen but yeah no i mean i think you're right the the sense of community here helps um i think i think you know the whole mass thing is a good analogy i think a lot of people complain about it or maybe they do you know but at the same time, they'll put it on because they know that at the end of the day, if that helps prevent, especially like a kupuna getting sick, then mm-hmm. you'll you'll do it, right? It's it's it, to me, it's like the perfect example of herd a herd immunity kind of mentality, right? Like everybody's kind of trying to do their part, right? Um, but yeah, I, I, 
I don't know how how you get those you know community leader types, the ones who do make an impact or have made an impact to get into those positions. That that to me is interesting. I think it's maybe it's voting. Um, I haven't heard anything local about any mail-in voting uh, changes, but hopefully they make it mandate like just across the board mail-in voting. Um, that might help turn out. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just convincing some of those guys or people, women and men, like, hey, you should at least try for city council or try for something. I don't know. Yeah, definitely more women than men would be my recommendation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, I, you know, I, yeah, I think, well, I mean, first of all, I think voting should be compulsory, but that's a, probably for another discussion. But <laughs> mail in for sure. And I really think you should have ranked choice voting, which would then say, would give people some comfort to say, all right, here's this politician that I recognize his name, but here's this other person who I've seen at some community events and m- maybe they would be good. And yeah. so I'm going to put them first. And then this guy that I, I know second, um, <laughs> as you know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think, I, I, I think that, will help to kind of diversify the type of folks that get elected. Um, I know in my community in Waimanalo, there's two community members who have been really pretty active who finally have said, I'm, I'm running. One of them is announced he's running for a city council seat. And the other, Wahine, she's not announced yet, but she's probably going to go after one of the Senate state, um, state seats. And they're just community they've never run for politics yeah they're raw but they've they do the work like yeah. they know how the community operates and that's really who you know that's like in you know and going back to Ahupua, that's the konohiki the konohiki knew what was really the person in charge who understood the needs of that Ahupua. yeah and if they if they couldn't cut it if they, if that if you know if those folks were not thriving then they were um, you know, removed. Yeah. Um, somebody else was brought in, but I, I just think that you need. I think each community is is different and enough that you really need that strong leadership at the community level. Um, it, it's really, really pretty important. Well, and those, I think, I think in times like this, so it'll be an interesting election cycle this year because I think with this whole pandemic and the community's response um a lot of community knows who's out there right they know they know who's out there grounding on the ground doing a lot of the work so hopefully that kind of tips the scales a little i mean i I think fresh blood in any political system is necessary especially if it's you know for me i i I agree with you 100 percent. i think out the gate um our top level leadership has been kind of a failure you had a lot of miscommunication you had you know dr josh green a doctor getting kicked out of the pandemic response i mean what the fuck was that i mean i don't understand how you're gonna kick maybe you don't agree but you can't kick a doctor out it's a doctor like that you know he he knows best and like and you you're right the whole um just more recently the whole okay we're gonna open 
malls or we're gonna open stores and then they're like whoa mayors are like wait 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 a minute like we don't want to open stores yet it's like nobody's talking to each other you know and it's i think the only the only top level leader that i kind of admire right now is um kawakami from Kauai. i mean that guy is no bs calling guys mm. covid idiots on on tv yeah you know yeah. like cracking cracking skulls and but at the same time showing a lot of empathy like doing his tiktoks you know trying to keep people entertained mm. cooking showing yep. them like this is how you can cook stuff you know to me that's that's a big part that's missing um you know is the empathy part and i think while he's an action guy and he, he seems like you know wearing jeans with his belt butt buckle so i assume he's kind of got that cowboy in him a little bit but mm-hmm. that 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 the country the country kawaii's part going on but at the same time he understands what everybody's going through because he's doing it so he's trying to you know keep engaged and keep everybody entertained and or not entertained that's a bad it's not like he's out for entertainment but you know trying to keep people's yeah. minds fresh right? yeah taking taking care of people it's, yeah you know, I, I think like he doesn't have to um, try and fit this mold or this script that like our mayor or the governor ha- like has to. I mean, they sure. have they've been they've been stripped of all personality because they've been in politics for so long that yeah. they there's this mold that they have to. So you can you imagine if any none of our mayor or the governor could never go and do a TikTok because it would be so inauthentic. Yeah. Because they just would, they don't know, they wouldn't be able to do that. And rightfully so. It's just, it's smart of them to not do it. Yeah. Because they wouldn't know how. They don't know, how, they couldn't connect on that kind of personal level. Sure. Um, um, you know, I think that's the, the great thing about na- neighbor island leadership is it can be a little bit more off the cuff and real. Like oh, Billy, hard. like Uncle Billy, man. <laughs> Uncle Billy. Uh, you know? Yeah. He's he the was the man. Yeah, he's the man. He was the man. No, he but I mean, you kind of take yeah. the country out of us. It's always there, no. you know. <laughs> no no. Matter. I think, I think uh, the the LG has done a pretty good job, though. Yeah. Um, I, I I think his updates are good. Yeah. Um, and even that has a little yeah. personality to it, right? Like, yeah, totally. Did you see he had um um how it was like? I think it was something about the closed beach or yeah i think it's something about the closed beach and then he wrote wtf on his board <laughs> yeah. it was super funny yeah, I saw that was one. super funny <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i knew when we were in trouble when um governor when this first started happening and he had his task force you know he's flanked everyone that was around him were like these tourism officials <laughs> and I'm just like, what the like, are you kidding me? You're going to have these tourism officials, um, you know, planning the response to this. It's just crazy. Not a doctor in sight, not a, yeah, yeah not a disease expert. Like, are you, yeah, it's crazy. And but, I, it's but such typical, a shock. But, yeah. Yeah, t- but typical, like that's what you would expect. You wouldn't expect it. If you actually put a real team together then you would think oh something's up what <laughs> what's going on here <laughs> well and that's why i worry about the response the the whole i mean i i, I respect you know alan or i i met him a few times i've talked stories with him he's a, a great leader 
did a lot at Hiko. Mm. But uh, but part of me kind of just worries like are are they bringing in a diverse set of voices that may not have the same opinions that you know the power brokers or you know the 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 usual suspects kind of do and are we going to listen to them this time yeah. you know like we've been talking yeah. about diversifying for decades i mean i've been in the workforce for almost two i've been here in honolulu in honolulu i've been here almost 20 years which is crazy to me but so i'm in the workforce 20 years and from when i came we talk about diversified economy which is why act 221 the 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 tech credits, the film credits, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, it, to me it was half-assed because the, the gravy train of tourism was was still pumping out gravy, right? Um, yep. So yep. we'll find out. I mean, speaking of the mayor, I mean, how was it out there? You were out there. How was it when they tried to fire up uh, Sherwoods again? <laughs> it's just like another, like, who who is advising these people? You, you know, like you really got to wonder who told him that it was a good idea in the middle of a pandemic to go to one of the most controversial projects that has no value in this current landscape. Um, we told over and over again, there's Evie in that field, um, defy all that to go and start a project. And then the first day, what do they find? Evie. Oh, a bone, yeah. Evie, the very first day, like, uh, and so you, you, it, there's, you look bad on every single side. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, yeah, I really don't, I, I cannot understand that decision making at all. I, I just think it's, you know, there's a way of, I think politics, there's a way of doing politics in Hawaii yeah. that hasn't changed in a really long time, but the world has changed and information is so easy to, to find and sure. consume and it's and it's really easy to rally people and um you know i think in the old days it would have been too difficult to get all that information that was needed and that project would have just happened and the and the kickbacks would have gone into place and it you know it would have just been another another project um i think more and more it's gonna it's getting harder and harder i mean look at mona kea the same thing i mean they went unobstructed building telescopes unpermitted for, for decades, decades because it's just and and it wasn't for people not not trying to fight it absolutely people were trying to fight it but it's so it was so much harder to spread information sure um and find information before and now oh you, one instagram post is all it takes yeah. so you, you make the right one and you know, now people are paying attention and then people start researching and, um, and look out like you're not doing this in the right way, which oftentimes it's not. Yeah. Um, you're going to, yeah. Which again, and that to me that says, all right, that, that time and place is, is, is over. It's time to really rethink the way we do the business. And I, I think, um, you know, the, this pause, if if we could find a way to make these decisions based more on, on our value system. And I think that's, I think Alan is really good at that. And he's, he's a really values based person. Yeah. Um, I, I'm sure that there's a, probably a lot of pressure from the power brokers to get back to normal. Mm -hmm. um, but 
man, what a, I, I, I think that's, we got to start there. We got to start from a, from the a, a discussion of values. What's important to us? What do we want? Um, not just us, but like multi-generations that are going to come after us. And exactly. Um, right. I yeah, think, um, that, that's the opportunity. Yeah. And I agree with you on Alan. Like um, the one good thing was I, one of the, one of the things that I was, I was hopeful about is that he has enough credibility in the business community to actually stand his, you know, he can't stand his ground. Like he's, he's a well-respected, you know, dude, so I, I think there's there's opportunity for him to to really make some some pretty significant changes as far as um, mm-hmm. what we're what we're kind of doing now or what we might be doing in a few a few years. But yeah. you you kind of mentioned community. One last thing I we can talk about before you know I don't want to go on too too long. We talked we covered on a lot of stuff, but <laughs> one of the best things I think I, I find super interesting about when I talk stories with you is that. You know, you, you talked about like the transplants protesting, but um, you know, you yourself are, didn't grow up here, and you know, but yet you're you're you know super super plugged into the community. Um, you know, you have you have you know deep ties, you have cultural ties, you have community ties. Like, I see a lot of people who move here that even and not just not just Caucasian people. Like, there's there's Japanese people who move here, you know, from from the continent, and they just cannot fit, you know, or they can't they can't make that connection. So to me, like, w- w- I kind of just wanted to have a conversation about like what what that is and <laughs> what what makes you different, bro. Like, how, how come you pulled it off? <laughs> well, I, so I arrived in on these shores in um, in. Uh, May or June of 1996 and um, was 21 years old. Uh, you know, really kind of, I was, I had a lot to learn about, about life. And I, I don't know if I need to get into that piece so much, but I was in the real kind of traditional sense of Hanai. Like I, I was invited to come to Hawaii um through this Hawaiian family that I knew their son who was living in Oregon and they opened up their home to me and um, kind of gave me an opportunity to you know, rethink my life and what I wanted to, to do with life and, and things around that nature. Um, and I think fortunate for me, you know, that family is, their roots are actually Hawaii Island. Um, mm-hmm. They moved to, o- to Oahu. Um, you know, Mahana family, they, they're from Pai Pai Ko and Mililii. And um, came to uh, Oahu at a younger age, but old enough that had really remembered that real country living, like agrarian, live off the land kind. Yeah, mo- um, Milo'i is is you, yeah, you fish you know, and you eat. I probably co too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, back in those days. Yeah, um, and really root like so really rooted in from a cultural aspect, but also from a they're they're activists like just plain and simple activists from the, from the early days, um, um, Kohoolawe, the Kalama Valley, you know, Chinatown, you you name it. Um, And, and so there was a lot of stories I think that were passed on to me, but I was also super curious. I asked a lot of questions, um, but 
I think one of the most brilliant things. So when I came in the nineties, there was a lot of sovereignty talk in the nineties. Yeah. I don't know if you remember yeah, that. I remember. And then, and so I was really curious about that. And, and I, I, I started to dig in and I remember asking about sovereignty um, in 1996 and my Hanai, um, my gave me this book that was called um, Before the Horror. And it was this book about um, the population pre and post contact mm. from Cook. And, and Cook took like meticulous notes. Um, and so he noted what what he thought the population was when he first came and he thought he estimated it to be close to a million. And then when he returned, he saw that there were um, actual villages that were no longer had people, but folks had died from the diseases that him, that his that they brought. ship had spread, yeah. that they brought. And so from that time, um, you know, Hawaii is, has Hawaiians specifically have dealt with, with pandemics. You go from a million people to 40,000. Yeah. You wonder why, you know, everyone is related. Well, yeah. well you know, that, that, that's why. And so yeah. the so pandemic is not new to to Hawaii. And, and so that, like, really, like, to, you know, talk about kind of opening my eyes. Um, I read Lino Kalani's um, book, and I read a bunch of stuff and asked a lot of questions and then just kind of... Um, stayed curious and and got involved from a really from the, the time that i got here in hawaiian community events like i mean i've been to like sovereignty meetings and things <laughs> like i probably don't you know I'm quite often the only holy person in a, in a lot of the settings that i was in sure um and and so i i think what i've learned through a lot of that is it has a lot less to do with the way that you look um, the color of your skin, it's about your ano or your spirit and the way you carry yourself and, and really being humble and, um, and, and, and also just like understanding that um, the, the effects of colonialization of, of like America's rule, um, the, the, the being really aware of, of, of what those are and, and why and why it affects people. And having like uh, not just compassion, but like really understanding and taking the time to to learn. So I, I think that's probably served me, um, which is why I mean I've I'm I think able to kind of just seamlessly integrate in in what is now my home, um, even though I was not born here. Um, I think I was reborn here, and that's always that kind of conversations that we always have at least with my Hanai family is really being reborn and like sense of purpose. Um, and I, I just, I think I also just have such a respect for the um, Hawaiian way of um, approaching life um, and the, the way people are treated, it, like culturally treated um, and accepted. Um, and then just the connection to Aina is super important. Um, that which feeds and, us, and, right? It's, yeah, it's that which yeah. feeds us. Yeah, so I, I guess I, maybe it's unique. Maybe my story is, is unique. I wish it wasn't because it doesn't have to be that difficult. But I, I see it all the time, like people that come here and really struggle. And 
my observation with why they struggle is they want this place to be like where they came from. Exactly. Tropical. Um, And that's just not going to work. And that kind of colonial um, mindset, um, you have to, like, that colonial mindset just doesn't, is not going to work. You can hang out with all transplants um, and and it'll work. And Mm -hmm. then, but you're going to be so sheltered and you're not going to really understand the true value of Hawaii. And that's really quite, it's really a shame. Yeah. No, I I think, I I don't, I don't, I think your story is very interesting. I mean, yeah, it's very, um, you know, it's very specific to you, but yeah, at the same time, I think there's a lot to learn because I think approaching, even me, I find myself sometimes going into, um, when I went to work at Kupu was an entirely new community. I was coming from community work in the Japanese community. Not that Kupu's a, a native Hawaiian organization, but there's a lot of ties. Um, and mm-hmm. I had to get, I got, I had to get humble real quick because you know, I, whether or not I thought I was hot shit, that that went out the window, and I had to, <laughs> you know, I had to reset and realize, okay, even though I'm from Hilo, I'm born and raised local. Um, I need to, I need to come in lightly and then earn my way into the community and and you know do the work listen learn ask questions um and do whatever you know until until everybody feels comfortable that i'm in i'm in the room right and i think that's like Mm -hmm. a uh, it's it's i think that's a lesson a lot of people don't learn i mean that's not how you do it on the continent right you can pretty much just go wherever and you know build whatever you want you know do whatever you want um and and it's a little different here so yeah it's a uh, it's an interesting conversation i always try to i was telling you i went to that that civil beat it was more like a panel but it was about what local means what it means to be local Mm -hmm. or something like that and um it was interesting because i think the room was mostly and i i'm just stereotyping just by my visual collection of data but i would guess it was mostly transplants um and then i don't know if they're they're trying to figure out i mean maybe they're trying to figure out like what what is it you know what does it really mean to be local you know is it because it's more than just a resident you know address i guess but i don't know it's a it's an interesting conversation (laughs) yeah yeah i think just I mean, that's a aloha though, right? Like that, that um, like what you described going into kupu. I, I, I think when you, when we use these words, we use you know the common Hawaiian Hawaiian words like aloha. You know, what does it what does it actually mean? And you can get philosophical about it, but I think that's like the great thing about digging in to these like deeper meanings of place names of Mo'olalo um and I think when you start to like open up that world um especially if you're a person that is really kind of connected um spiritually to what is around you which how can you not be you know living in Hawaii um like digging into those deeper meanings it really gives you a stronger and a deeper kind of sense of place. And, and then I think what comes with that is 
a deeper sense of responsibility um, and kind of what, what's your role in, in that. Um, and it's so easy, I think, to be in Hawaii and just to consume, right? You just go beach every day. Yeah. And how yeah. beautiful is it? Go hiking every day. And uh, how beautiful is it? But I, I think you don't want to just be someone that is just consuming and extracting, but like, how do you actually give, how do you give back? And I think for me, especially because of the, that Hanai, which, you know, we've kind of used that term of, as adoption, but Hanai is to nourish or to feed. And I think to Hanai um, back is like so critical. And in and, and, and doing so, actually, that's how you learn even more yeah. um, and become more connected. And there, that's, so to me, there's not really a secret. It's just, you just gotta go, you just go and get in the, in the level and get dirty man and be part of it (laughs) yeah i mean it's it's the one like when it's the great great equalizer right you you go jump in and you you go get dirty you know nobody's above the work everybody's got to do you know from from the top to the bottom everybody's doing the same thing and you're 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 working together you know getting getting stuff done it's it's a good way to get in there, but yeah, I kind of I kind of I I guess I never thought about it as a colonial type of mindset, but I guess it sort of is like you come in and you kind of are trying to bend the wheel, you know, instead of you bending around everything, you know, everything else. But I I, yeah, I mean, I think it's a it's a, a Western kind of way of thinking of of. Um, I'm going to, I'm not going to adapt to my surroundings. I'm going to manipulate my surroundings to adapt to me. Sure. Um, right. And I, I think that's the, that's the, uh, you, there's a force that an inertia that you just cut smack right, right into when, especially if you're aggressive about it and the more aggressive you are, like the, 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 the bigger that smash is going to be. I remember, um, I was, this is a few years ago. I got asked to. Um, there was a, I won't mention which org, but they're a mainland org, part of um, a accelerator program, but they weren't they weren't from here. Um, and then they came in, uh, hard charging with the sales, and was finding that nobody was willing to give them buy shit from them. Like nobody wanted to like mm-hmm. talk to them. So I got asked like, hey, can you talk stories with the VP? And he was in town, so I, I went to talk to him. And I was like, yeah, so what was going on? And yeah, same idea. He's like, yeah, we just, you know, come in, make the calls, cold call. And I was like, whoa, you got to like, that's, you know, it's, it's not the mainland, bro. Like you cannot, you know, there's only so many people, there's only so many customers on the island, especially if you're a specialized software. Mm-hmm. You got to build relationships. You got to take interest in what they do. You got to be seen in the community. And then they might actually let you come into their office and take a meeting with yeah. you. And that still doesn't yeah. mean they're going to buy shit, you know? And I was like, but yeah. it, I said, you have to invest more time, which is more money. But at the end of the day, if you get in there and they like you and they trust you, they'll buy whatever they want. You know, whatever you want, they'll buy because they trust you at that point. You know, like you right. can, you can, you'll actually make it back on the back end. But yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting concept I see or an interesting thing I see with people who move here but also like companies that that try to 
try to come in, you know, like try to come in, mm-hmm. hot, you know, penetrate the market, you know, for lack of a better term, such a aggressive, you know, way of thinking of it. But that's that's kind of the way they approach it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> All right, Val. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we actually talked for like an hour, a little over an hour. So nice. Cool. cool I don't wanna, yeah, was, you know, I was worried. I was like, oh, man, are we going to be able to talk for like a decent amount? But, you know, we got we got a lot of content. But um, and we can always do this again because I think we could talk about all kinds of stuff. We still have a lot of stuff that we didn't cover. So we can always Absolutely. cover more. But. Yeah, it's fun. I'm happy to happy to do this. this yeah, cool, man. man. Well, keep me yeah. posted and let me know, like, you know, if there's any help you guys need. Cause, like, uh, especially on the weekends like that now, I'm starting to kind of, like, our work, I think PPP was kind of like the crazy craziness. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, just, I forgot to mention this. We can still talk. Who who gives a shit about time? But I, you know, talking about the, the you mentioned like there, there seems to be no plan. So I actually did reach out to, the governor and lieutenant governor through Twitter and I was like, hey, is there a, a just a base plan, like a real simple one that I can look at? Like you, you I hear you guys talk on fa- about phases and stuff on TV. Like, mm. w- what are these phases? Like what's the metrics we're using to know like a phase is now complete and we can move to the next? Like what something simple? Crickets, bro. I haven't heard Nothing. anything back. <laughs> Like, there's got to be some yeah. simple one, two-pager that you can give me, like, phase one, you know, this, phase two, this, phase three, this. But, yeah, so it makes bad. me really, and, when you said that, I was and, like, ooh, maybe that is right. Maybe they don't really have a plan. Did you hear, um, and I've all, I always thought that General Hara was doing a pretty good job, um, but did you hear him the other day talking about rioting? Like, people <laughs> are going to start rioting? Yeah. <laughs> like, bruh, <laughs> nobody in Hawaii is going to start rioting. No. Like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> and and so it just got me thinking, like, this, there's a, it's a machine, right? Yeah. And, 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 and so there's somebody behind the scene <laughs> that is basically saying, this is, this is what you say, this is the me- messaging whoever that person is uh, is so disconnected from um, they've probably never missed a meal. They're probably never worried about a paycheck. They, they probably don't have, you know, they, they're, they're not behind on any bills. They, yeah. you know, you, they, right. It's, it's a complete disconnect to how most of the people are, are, are living. And that is really the, uh, such a, uh, unfortunate it's so unfortunate because this is really the time to be building your community and, and it's really the, the exact opposite of what is, yeah what, talk about you know disconnect I heard um, I was on a call with um, HCF uh, kind of looking at next phases today it was a bunch it was like a webinar but um, one of the persons in my breakout, breakout group was talking about um you know, this 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 time is proving us, to us that we could do schools virtually. Like, mm. and I was like, I was like, yo, man, like you're not thinking about the kids who get their meals at school. You're not thinking about the kids who don't have computers at home. You know, like you, you know, there's a real disconnect. And again, it's probably somebody who 
no no offense to the guy i can't even remember who his name but never missed the meal never had to worry about stuff you know never had to do free or reduced lunch um you know like i was trying to i i kind of was he he got on a roll so i didn't jump in but i wanted to say like hey man schools provide way more of a social service than they do education so it might be hard to go we we gotta look at you know we can't do remote public schools that's not gonna work for everybody but yeah you know it's sort of that equity issue right like the some of the people who are making these decisions and he's a board member i think for ecf but they're they're not as connected to the the ground level no. community as as they need to be. Yeah, I, I'm part of this hui that we just sent um, 50 computers to the Big Island. Um, I know Kau is one. I can't remember the other two locations, but yeah, I mean these are kids that don't they're in public school, supposed to be doing classes remotely, but they don't have computers. Yeah, worse they don't have they don't have internet. Yeah, and so these you know and th- there's another couple hundred Chromebooks that are going to be going out um, here in the next few weeks, all right now targeting Hawaii Island. But yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. That's a, a, absolutely on point. Like that's, that's, if you're, if you're accustomed to your kids going to private school um, or you, you have multiple computers and yeah. Wi-Fi in your home, of course, but there, that's not, not, that's not everybody. There's a lot of people that don't have that. Yeah, and it's it's and there's a lot of people who don't not just the internet they don't have enough food, um, and who knows how their home life is actually like. There might be there a lot of them are safer when they're at school than if they're they're yeah. home all day, right? So yeah, but yeah, that kind of sorry I didn't mean to like bring it back. But when you're I was like thinking about it, I was like, gosh, shit, there was something I was gonna say. I was like, oh fuck, the yeah. the, the, the plan like there's no plan. <laughs> I, I I asked for a plan. I was like crickets. They didn't even like reply back and go like let us let us get or you can go look here we got information on our covid website and i was like fuck i can't find anything with the reopen plan but but, you know we we can always talk about it another time i don't need this to be like a two-hour podcast like one is enough and i gotta figure out how to edit all this shit anyway so (laughs) (laughs) but hey man i appreciate the time all right um take care and and you know I, i haven't been drinking this whole time i decided to go off the sauce during during lockdown but when this is pal mm-hmm. we got to go make sure yeah. we grab grab I'm, a beer or I'm something right. <laughs> yeah okay i'm down all right bro take it easy take care all right, my brother. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let me-